Hello and welcome to Overleaf Podcast with Stuart Williams. In our first ever episode, we'll meet Alice Pomfret, a creative designer, businesswoman, and publisher of Akin Magazine. In this episode, we'll delve into Alice's plans for Akin Magazine as she recently launched issue 5. We'll also chat about her background and what influenced her creative journey until now, and what the plans are for Akin's future, which I'll reveal later on. She also runs Noza News, a small physical newsletter highlighting the goings on in Norfolk, specifically within its creative scene. Without further ado, please sit back and enjoy our chat with Alice. Hello. Hello. I do have to apologise if you can hear like this squeaking noise <laughs> because it's it's a windy day and it like the sign for the shop is on like an iron thing and it's so old and we've like WD forty'd it and everything, but hopefully it doesn't ruin the recording. <laughs> I came in and I was like, oh the sign, the sign. I should have done it at home, but all good. Where are you? Where are you at the moment, then? I'm just in my studio. Oh, okay. Different, different angle from last time, I think. Last time I was at home, I was in my bedroom. Last time. Oh, I was in the studio. No, <laughs> right, so this, yeah, I'm in my studio this time. Um, but you can only see like a little corner of it. I like face yeah. out into the room, so it's just probably a bad angle. You don't really get much, I'm afraid. It's fine. It's fine. I guess, to kick things off, can I get an introduction from you? So, I'm Alice. I design magazines and books. And then I also um, founded and run a kin magazine, which is a publication. Um, we hold pop-up shops and events when, even when we can. Um, and, yeah, my life kind of basically revolves around print. Anything publishing, I'm onto it. <laughs> And you're based in Norwich, is that right? Yes, I'm based in sunny, sunny Norwich. Um, I moved back a couple of years ago. I grew up in Norwich, went down to Bournemouth to study and then to London like everyone else does. Um, and then moved back a couple of years ago and kind of just started fully going freelance and then putting some time into a kin to try and make it make it happen. <laughs> Yeah, I, I guess going back to that, the Bournemouth days, I guess, so to speak, what did you study? So I studied graphic design, um, like true graphic design, branding, trying to kind of make the world a better place with design and solving problems. Um, but within my third year, I specialised in kind of print and publishing, and I did a it's not an awards, it's kind of like accreditation called ICD, which is International Society of Typographic Designers. Um, and you had to make a book for that and you had to fully type spec it and it had to be at, at quite a high level. So I kind of specialised in that in my third and final year. And I was also editing our student publication then. So that's kind of how my life transpired into print. Oh, I love that. So that's sort of where the where the passion grew from would you say or did you have passion passion for print before you went to university it's definitely where it grew from before I went to university I wanted to be a photographer um I'd applied to study photography and I just I love photography um 
but then for some reason I chose graphic design I think I was just doing a kind of like design kind of thing for my A level so I was like oh this is what I want to do um but yeah so I I did study graphic design but then I think magazines are the perfect home for that because they have beautiful photography in them it kind of ticks that box for me I can mm. art direct shoots I can commission shoots so still in like the photography realm but then it's also like the final process of laying it out and, and giving it a home and giving it a kind of place where it shines so subconsciously I was probably always going to end up in magazines but my <laughs> days were kind of pushing it forward so would you, would you say that that final year led to the first issue of Aiken? 100%. Yeah. So I edited our student publication. It was called Bump, which means like useless bits of paper, basically. Um, and all we did was showcase people around the university. And then we wrote kind of reviews and we held um, gallery openings and we held exhibitions and stuff like that. So that I was kind of getting a feel for it in my uni days. And then I graduated, got my first job. And then about eight months into my first job, I was like, I really miss this outlet that I had where I can just showcase people and their work. And that still follows through to a kid nowadays. Like the sole reason I do it is to showcase people that I love and people that I want other people to know about. So I think it was just, I was filling a gap that that needed filling. Uh, I think, what was the slogan again? Was it a magazine inspired by people? Is it is that still the core sort of value that you hold now or has it developed over time? Yeah, so I started as a Kickstarter campaign and that was kind of my running tagline. But for the first four issues, it was it was inspired by one person. So we had one which was inspired by Grayson Perry. One was inspired by the late architect Zahar Hadid. Um, and that was linked to my university days because I met Zahar Hadid she came to open a building that Sir Peter Cook designed for like the university um, and then a couple of weeks after she sadly passed away so for the last issue of Bump we put a kind of memoriam in it for her and I think that was like my sticking point because I'm just fascinated by her buildings like they're just incredible um, so she was my first inspiration for the magazine and then second one was Grace and Perry um, third one was Vivian Westwood. And you've got the fifth one out now, haven't you? When did that come out? Was that recent? Yeah. So the fifth one came out in November, so like a month ago. And this is kind of to show the whole progression. I've kind of ditched this magazine. It's all about one person. It's about people now. Um, And the whole theme was new beginnings because it was a new beginning for us where I was dropping the previous kind of editorial way of doing things. Um, Yeah. And just features independent makers craftsmen brands people which are doing good things for good reasons and I just think they need a little shout out every now and again it's like people that inspire you were sort of the main subjects for the magazine yeah 100% and I kind of in my editor's letter I describe it as like my little black book of creatives it's like people I look up to people I'm inspired by um, and people I want to kind of know how they work, how they tick, what keeps them going, what keeps them driving. So it is quite a selfish publication. It's all driven by me and like my what I find interesting. But if it's my kind of side, I thought, why not treat myself? 
Well, yeah, it is. It's like it's a homegrown thing, and you know, you you put a lot of effort into it, I, I guess. And how long would you say a publication takes to be put together? Um, from you know, maybe curating what interviews you want in there and photography. Well, how long is the process? So the process is quite long from a kid in comparison to other magazines because I do it kind of in my spare time whatever days I have off I'm, and I'm not booked I kind of work it in that but I think I started issue five in like July August I was kind of drafting out what I wanted to be in it the theme for it how I wanted it to be because this one was a completely new one for us so I was kind of going back to the drawing board of what the hell I wanted it to be like so I started in July August and then I kind of did like one or two interviews a week, t- trickling it through. I put out like a call for submissions for, cause we have a couple of long form pieces in there. So I put out a call for submissions um, and then just slowly took my time with it, which I quite enjoyed. It's different to the previous ones cause the previous ones I just rushed. I was like, I need to get this out and set boundaries for myself. And I'm like, no one's telling me I have to be out for any other time. <laughs> That's the thing I wanted to touch upon actually, because I guess doing your own thing, there's a lot of self-pressure, I would say. Would you agree? Yeah, I think that you have to be quite, what's the word? You have to be quite, um, what is the word? Structured, like you have to give yourself deadlines. You have to be your boss. Like you have to, there are two people within you. One's being like, get this done at this date. You've got clients to please. You've got things to do. And then the other one's, just kind of like the creative basically so yeah you do have to be really disciplined and you have to kind of treat it as a proper job and that's why I got my studio because I was like I need somewhere to come nine to six ten to five whatever I decide to do and this is my yeah and treat it as a job and fair enough being freelance it's all about you don't want this desk job days but I need routine and I need to be know where I am on what days yeah I guess going back to routine then, what you know, what is your normal day to day with Aiken then? So my normal day to day, so a day working on a kin, I'm either doing admin for the shop, packing orders, ordering new titles in, stocking up yeah. some of our stockists within the city because we have little boards within different shops which have magazines mm. within, um, keeping the social media taking over, and then if it's like before print, it's kind of designing pages and, and working out the content and sending things to our sub-editor and things like that so yeah yeah it's just it's a lot more admin than people would would presume it's not all just making pages pretty and and having a final outcome <laughs> I was gonna say it's like obviously seeing it on screen to seeing it in person is a very different thing as well how do you sort of and um, you know navigate that process do you have like a you know, a proof beforehand and do you print it in-house to maybe get a feel for it before going to print? So, oh, this is probably a bad answer, but with a kin, I'm totally fine with it not being perfect. I kind of like that aspect because I have this thing about magazines is that they're kind of like the closest thing to perfection that you can get. Once you hit print, you can't change it. It's not like a website where you can go in and make changes afterwards. Like you have to be as close to perfect as you physically can so I kind of lean into that I don't mind if there's things wrong and stuff so the first few issues I kind of did it all myself was a bit brash like I can do everything I'm amazing but for issue five we had a sub-editor Georgia 
um, and she um, edited all of our, my interviews and stuff because I just um, yeah kind of the same as what we're doing. I just interview people and then typed it up later and then <laughs> hoped it made sense. She kind of sorted everything out and she was amazing in that sense. Everything is like journalistically good. Um, and then designing is kind of all me, but then when we go to press, it's just a case of getting print specs, printing pages out, especially with this one, because we had a new size. Um, and I needed, you just need to check whether like your font size is big enough and things like that. So it is a bit of in-text, but then once it's off to the printer, I should pay for proofs, but I don't. So I just trust, trust and hope. You trust in that experience that you've had like previously and as well, you've, you're a designer at heart as well. You, you've worked with a lot of publications. Could you, you know, tell us about the experience with those publications? Yeah, I've worked on quite a few publications and they range from their kind of reach and everything. So a scale from Wonder Dog, which is all about rehoming dogs, a good life about rehoming dogs. And I kind of redesigned their publication and take a more kind of art director role where I commission everything and illustrate some photographers all the way up to like Elle, Esquire and Harper's Bazaar, where I just joined their design team and I literally just designed pages for them, not just, but it, it's just a case of laying out, laying out some pages. Um, I joined The Guardian for a while, um, but that got cut a bit short because of because of the world situation. Um, but that, that was crazy because they're yeah. a massive, massive news publication. The way they do things, it's just totally, totally different. Like they have different programs set up. It's all kind of engineered to them. And things they have at their disposal is just yeah. incredible. But yeah, so I've worked on a wide range. I'm just looking at my wall. I have all my books of what I've done on my wall. Um, I have Hunger. I've worked yeah. on Hunger, which is like a fashion publication by Rankin. Um, and that was lovely because he was kind of my first freelance job and I've kind of worked with him for the past four or five years Lovely. so yeah work for Courier as well business publication yes we spoke about that last time and you're in the the yellow one hundred ways to make a living uh you know what which bits did you do in there so just tons of pages <laughs> I don't know like exactly what so I joined them for in the end I think it was about two months um, I joined them before the 100 Ways to Make a Living and I worked with their designer at the time, Sophie Kirk. Um, and that was just a case mm. of all hands on deck, getting pages designed. Um, the kind of general gist of the designers had already been sussed out and it was just kind of the pages and the bulk of the work. Um, but most, yeah. or one of the most recent issues, I can't remember what it's called. One, of the, I think it's like their November issue, um, I did do a bit of redesigning in that because they had a new section that they wanted to kind of redesign and it was just a case of working out how it oh. all looked and how it all worked. So with them, it was kind of, I was more of a design role in-house for a couple of months and working on whatever, whatever they needed. Yeah, yeah. I guess going into these places, is it hard to like integrate yourself? You know, is there, you know, going technical, like everyone's got their own systems, like you mentioned with The Guardian. Um technically like everyone's got a different grid a different you know a different brand style and you know how is it how is it to navigate it takes me like a couple days to get into I say like the voice of the publication it takes me a couple days to really get into like how they're styled and 
get yeah just know their personality and how things sit because like you say they're all different they all are styled differently they all have their own guides and grids and ways of doing things so yeah. it does take me a few days I always feel really bad on the first few days where I'm just finding my feet and I'm like does this look okay but then it's a bit of confidence on my end and just trusting myself that yeah this is the right thing to do um but courier yeah. I have a lot of respect for like I just didn't realize how detailed their layouts are and that's kind of shows how yeah. incredible they are because if you don't realize as a reader how much work has gone into it then it's it's successful because it's easy to read and it's easy to digest but behind the scenes there's a lot of things that goes on I was gonna say it's it's like for that size of thing they're doing now with those volumes I want to call them volumes I don't know if you call them any anything different there um but there's like you know four times the amount of pages and the content that must be driven, you know, driven by interviews and everything from across the world. It must be, must be a huge journalism team as well in there. Yeah, they do have a big team. Um, and they have like, when I was there, it was like three or four people in the design team, three or four people. So they have quite a big art team, which is nice because normally it's just one or two people. Um, but it's totally yeah. different to working on like Hunger, which is a fashion publication where it's photo shoots, credits, and then a bit of essays if you're lucky sometimes this episode is sponsored by me Stuart Williams the host of Overleaf podcast that means it's not sponsored at all I just want to tell you about a few things I thought I'd take a moment to tell you about the back issue club finding back issues are hard especially if you're trying to find that number one of a magazine you've been looking for for years so I think I found the solution it's a brand new Facebook group for magazine collectors who would like to buy or sell back issues. As a collector myself, this would be a great opportunity to fill any gaps in the collection and even discover new publications for yourself. Simply visit Overleaf on Facebook to join the group today. If you'd like to be featured on the podcast, please reach out via social media. You can get me on On The Overleaf on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and Overleaf on TikTok. It'll be great to hear from you. Don't forget to also check out our blog. You can find it at ontheoverleaf.com. That's O-N-T-H-E-O-V-E-R-L-E-A-F.com. Just a reminder that Overleaf is fully independent. There's no company, big business, or any big publisher behind this. It's just me. If you'd like to donate, please go to the website and follow the donate button. It's ran by Buy Me A Coffee. So for only £3, you can support a fully independent blog and podcast, and it would make such a huge difference. Anyway, let's get back to the episode. <laughs> it's, quite, uh, it's quite interesting because hunger is photography-focused, like you said, and that feeds your photography passion. But courier is business-focused, and you're also a businesswoman of a small independent business. And, you know, all these different... You know, even the Guardian stuff like that. You know, they all feed into what your sort of passions are, of all, all stemming back from university. It's quite interesting, and it's quite lucky as well because people sometimes ask, like, "Oh, do you turn publications down?" And it's like, I, I would if I didn't agree with it or I didn't like it, but I haven't had that yet. Like, I haven't been approached by someone that that I don't want to work for. And it's I'm kind of quite lucky that, that I don't know whether it's my work, like you what you put out is what you get in like I don't know whether people are just seeing I work on these certain titles and then think my style is more yeah. than them. but 
I'm lucky. Yeah, I, I, well, it's it's luck, but it's it's also skill, and it, it's the hard work you've put in over the years. You know, how, how long how long has it been since university? Now is it, is it four years? Was it four or five? Yeah, I can never remember. Yeah, it, I think it was like, fast. Seventeen, eighteen. I'm not sure. Yeah, because for me, I I went to Chester University, and it was 2011 to 2014. Did the graphic design degree, like like yourself, and print was of course the you know my dream sort of job and I did a lot of stuff for Jaguar and Land Rover it was all like marketing sort of based and you know you could do a brochure one day and then you could do an email design the next so gradually digital sort of fed in how have you sort of noticed I guess as an industry being in the industry uh, how the print magazine has translated digitally now as well there's two ways of looking at it. There's publications that kind of embrace it, like New York Times have some incredible online um, articles yeah. where they design them, design them like um, like articles and magazines, and it's all interactive, and they kind of tell the story digitally. Um, but they also have their print publications. So if you have the scope and the money to embrace it, yeah. then I think there are publications doing it. But then I also that independent publications have such a cult following that people are in it for the nice paper, for the nice design, yeah. and for that kind of little bit of escapism. Like I have a really strong opinion about magazines being this escape, and it's the only time where you can't, your time isn't tracked. You're not, there's no cookies in magazines. Like you can yeah. read something. No one knows you're reading it if you don't want them to. Like it's just, it's quite rare nowadays. So yeah. I think there will always be that bit within publishing yeah because like people just they love it's like vinyls isn't it there's all that bit yeah. of sentimental nature to it where people like it's tactile you interact with it digital cannot compete with that like it just can't no no and you know we're going, you know with vinyl as well I'm also, I'm also a vinyl collector and there's that element of yeah you can see the album artwork online you might get a free download of a pdf that was the booklet but in a vinyl, you get a 12 by 12 booklet, staple bound, you know, open it up on the table. There's nothing better, you know, because there's even a, you know, even from the CD version, there's an extension to that where, you know, they have yeah. a bit more of a commentary from the band or the artist. I love that side of things. It's like, you know, if you were to bring Aiken digital, well, first of all, would you? And second of all, um, you know, how would you go about that interactivity? Would you do something new, exciting? Oh, I don't know. I don't think I would bring it digital because I've always thought about this. My dad has always said, why don't you just do PDF booklets or downloads of the magazine each issue? And I just, I yeah. want print. I want it to be read in its fullest form. And I want people to have like the full experience of the magazine. And that's why, that is why I did Ringbound for like the first few, few issues because I wanted people to carry it and you can just flip it around and it, you don't have to break the spine because that's always the worst part of a book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There were some situations and issues where I've designed it purposely for a reason to be read in a certain way. And it's like with our Vivian Westwood one, I, I, it was a newspaper. Yes, tabloid. Yeah, and I did it to kind of nod to the whole punk protest um, 
don't have yeah. to say swearing. Fuck the newspapers, basically. <laughs> um, yeah. but like that whole kind of anarchy, punk, 80s situation. So my desire, or sometimes, if we have the money, I do tend to change up the, the form of the publication and stuff like that, and I want people to yeah. experience it. Um, but your second question, I have always found it hard myself for like a, my portfolio site. Like I always think, how do I represent my publishing work digitally? Um, I don't yeah. know whether to treat it as a magazine. Like, do I do each piece as an article? Like, do I, and I, it's still a work in progress. I haven't sussed it out. I don't know, do you uh, have yeah. advice on that? Yeah, have you ever seen anything that you think's a magazine's good? Um, that's a great question, actually. I think, obviously, yeah, Matt Wiley's work on the New York Times magazine was, obviously, that we spoke about last time, was magical. There's something about the, the transitions and stuff like that. I'm trying to remember now, has there any, been anything like it? Um, hmm. Not, not many people do it. It's mostly the big media um, giants, aren't they, really, that have the, the capacity to do it. I know that... Um, the Guardian have led a big digital sort of, well, a big digital change. I think they've they've changed direction of what a newspaper is meant to be, which I think is kind of nice. But that was all down to that redesign, as well. Mm. I don't know. I think um, over the years I spotted one or two. Yeah. Whoever cracks it is they're in for a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah, but I think there was like Flipboard. Do you remember the app Flipboard? No, I don't. They're a digital magazine app. So all your, you know, all your articles you get from The Guardian or BBC, they all feed in. And, you know, if you're on tablet, for example, you literally drag over so it feels like a flip. Uh... So you can see the overleaf, no pun intended there. But, like, it, it is. It's literally, like, you can flip over and view the next page. And it, the concept back then, I think it was 2010, I think I discovered it. Um, was kind of ingenious because there was no one else doing this kind of, well, skeuomorphism, I would say. It's it's weird, like, oh, it's going to be a flip. It's going to feel like a magazine in your hands, but it's never going to feel like that, is it? I think it's there weird. was, I swear there was one that was on a CD or something. Like, there have been some kind of DIY publications which have taken some alternative forms, like some are on T-shirts, like some are on... Yeah. I think one was on a CD and it's just like I don't know there is definitely a gap between digital and physical I don't know whether it's a good thing and whether it's a positive but yeah you don't really ever see especially independent magazines they just don't have the time the money or the team like you say to invest in, in digital that like turnaround time as well I guess that you have to contend with I guess because obviously you have a bit more time on your hands with the Aiken magazine. But when you're in-house in Korea, you've got to do it to a certain deadline and you know for a fact it has to be done, right? Yeah, like when I worked for Hunger, it was there, I did design their 10th anniversary edition with the art director, Ava Williams. Um, and we had two weeks to do 500 pages. So we spent one what? week... Yeah, it's massive. Like we spent one week designing and one week typesetting. And that was like 10 layouts a day. We had to set ourselves out, do X amount. It was like a formula. Like we have to do this amount by this day. Yeah. Just get it done in time. Massive. I, I'm like, how, how do you even compute that? I guess um, 
drawing out scams of each layout, I guess, is the first step, maybe. But then dropping in, like, yeah. content and curating it. Oh, my gosh. It is a well-oiled machine. Like, the different stages, especially within a publication with a team, like, it would be briefed from the editor to designers. Designers would lay it out. If you have copying images, that's a bonus. If you don't, they get dropped in later. But then it goes to the sub-editors and then it goes to like the final checks and then it goes back to us designers to do the final kind of tweaks and typeset it all and make sure images are right. I think the, the News Days this year is one of the most popular of the year. Oh, go on, tell us about that. I really wanted to stock it on a kid and it was just, I, I can't get it. I can't get it because it's Harry Styles. Everyone loves Harry Styles. Can't get it. <laughs> You simply can't get it. No, no one is willing to just, oh my gosh. But there are some, it's kind of interesting conversation about the power of like covers because there are some incredible covers that sell so well because of the person. People probably don't even read the interview. It's just like the imagery on the front is so iconic. Like there was um, this Lady Gaga cover the other week or the other month in America and it was just incredible. Mm. Like some of the photography is just incredible. Yeah, I guess you, going back to these like creatives, you have to, you, you have to work with on all these projects that you know they're spread out all over the world, and each one's got their own different style. And how, how do you go about choosing sort of the the photographer that you want for your own thing? Oh God! So it's normally I'm quite lucky because I've been doing it for about four or five years. I've got like a little spreadsheet of people I like. Um, there's some yeah. which I'd love to work with but they're too expensive. So I might put it on the dream list, (laughs) but it's just a case of building up kind of collaborators and illustrators that you trust and you know their work and you like their work. Um, So with one dog, when I redesigned it, I put a kind of um, style sheet, brand sheet together about the kind of photography that we'd use within the issue. We work with this photographer, Joel Redman. um, And he's he, I think sometimes he shoots on film but sometimes he shoots normal and they just have such a softness to them and they're just so beautiful to look at. Yeah. and that with Wonder Dog it's all about the positives like it's not sob stories about how this dog was kind of left and stuff it's about their good life afterwards so it's kind of trying to find the right photographers that can tell them stories positively and like with with Wonder Dog yeah. on the cover we always have a person and a dog and it's always kind of smiling always happy making eye contact yeah. It's kind of like just them simple which is yeah. part of the branding of the magazine but it's just kind of like a set by yourself so yeah I do sometimes put call outs on Instagram and stuff when I'm looking for new people but yeah is that how you reach people at the moment like for issue five did you reach out on Instagram and everything then I normally put a call out on Twitter Twitter loves a hashtag journal request <laughs> if you put like I normally just put I'm looking for articles about this theme it's not paid well, like it's only paid, yeah. um, we only pay £50 per piece. If you're happy with pitching for that much, pitch to us if you're not, totally understand. Um, and then, yeah, yeah people, you just get people from everywhere. Like I, you get kind of students who are just graduating or you get um, like renowned journalists who are happy to do it because it's a piece that they haven't had published anywhere else and they just want to kind of write the piece. So yeah, I know outs on yeah on twitter for the more arty things it's instagram because i feel like it's quite a visual platform so it suits it yeah what would you say that um you know having these call outs and the people that have the ideas for the pieces do they come to you ever with an idea off 
I don't know, even the, the photographer to use for their piece, or maybe they have photography already they want you to use. I haven't ever had someone say I'd like it shot by this person, but I have had like the last one in issue five, um, we had did a piece about the Thornton Surf Sisters. And it's all about like the power of the girl gang. Um, because the yeah. who wrote it, and I think her name is Stephanie Conway. Dennis wrote it, she moved back down, I think it's like Cornwall or something. I'm gonna get this wrong. Um, and she found it was her new beginning and she joined this whole group um yeah she joined the sort of sisters and she sent us kind of imagery of them of them surfing and kind of of them like as a group basically so that was good to use as kind of like not b-roll but you know kind of like assisting imagery within the piece and then have like beauty shots of, of the sea and stuff like that so yeah oh beautiful it's like a like a really nice press pack of like their life yeah you know, from, where, where are they? So they're based in Cornwall. I guess, well, I guess that makes sense because of the surfing. Yeah. What a lovely place. I know. It looks beautiful. How come you started Overleaf? I'm going to ask you a question. Oh, that is a good question. Um, and something I should have started as a kid <laughs> if I knew how the internet worked. I think um, if you were to visit my home in the Isle of Man, you'd, in, in back in its day, you'd see piles of magazines. Um, you know, I would go to WH Smith on a weekend and either use my pocket money or beg my mum and dad for, you know, the latest issue off. It could be Evo magazine because I was obsessed with cars at the time as a, you know, as a kid. Uh, all those, um, I don't even know what you call them. You know, the ones with the free toys on stuck on the front. Yeah. Collectible, the collectible. Yeah. So I'd used to spend like you know, a lot of money back then, six pound on the Lord of the Rings one that came out and had little figurines in because I'm a big toy collector as well uh behind me is like a a ton of different collectibles but none from that those days because obviously I'm in I'm in Finland um so going back to Overleaf <laughs> uh yeah I just kept buying magazines and then NME was a big way in for me as well I don't know about you it was just I was stuck on an island man stuck on the Isle of Man on an island where you know, not a lot of bands came to visit. And a lot of, you know, it was all on the mainland in either Ireland or UK. And I was like, oh, I, I dream of one day going to the Arctic Monkeys, for example, who was on the cover like every other month. Yeah. And um, I was really intrigued for, from, you know, from the point of design, because I was interested in the design, design from the age of four or five, I would say. Just everything, everything was, you know, leading towards a design career for me. And, um, yeah, so these magazines, you know, instilled a passion for me for editorial and um, the excitement around what you can build in them. You can build a story. You can build whatever you like, can't you? You can write about the latest game in yeah. PlayStation Mag. Cre creative review, you could have... You know, you could touch on advertising, marketing. Uh, it's like everything, everything you could think of. There was something for it, and that was really intriguing, wasn't it? You know, the newsstands. Yeah, fashion. Yeah, I remember when I was in A levels because I studied. Oh, what was it? It wasn't graphic design. It was called like I don't know. It wasn't graphic design, but it was like graphic art or something. Like they just didn't want to call it graphic design. But I was studying that. <laughs> yeah. I went into WH Smith's and I picked up O'Cumley, like their first ever issue of O'Cumley. And that was just 
so polar opposite to what was in WH Smith's at the time, because at the time they commonly had their white covers and it had like a Polaroid on the front and the whole cover was mainly white and it was literally just like a breath of fresh air. So I picked that up. That was like the first magazine I bought with like mm. knowledge of like with a design knowledge or with like an interest of what not these like cosmopolitan and kind of kids magazines that you get bought for you um yeah oh so company was the first kind of um publication or independent publication that i picked up of the nature of like well designed and curated and stuff so that's probably been yeah. my like day one inspiration but um mm. and it was going to become full circle because i did interview to become their designer but but A, I didn't get it. Oh. B, they run their last issue, so then they're stopping. I, yes, I bought the last issue only last month, and I was very sad to hear that. I don't understand reasons why, but I guess it's to do with COVID. Yeah, it, well, it has been tough as, like, just a magazine yeah. with stockers and stuff because no shops were open for X amount of months, and you... Obviously, no magazines were being sold and stuff because the power of the high street is still so powerful. When you can't online, it's yeah. you have a massive following, you can't get massive sales. But that's the thing, isn't it? It it's sad because you have all these all these creative mags and they're led by such a such a wonderful team. And I think there was obviously there were a few that obviously chose to end, like Anxi. Um, you know, I had that, that four issue run and I was like, that what an incredible, like inspiring, like piece of work, of, you know, a volume of work. And and they and they finished. And I was like, well, I'll just cherish what I have then. Yeah. And this whole, you know, like ink, the new ink concept of like one a year for 10 years. And it's just yeah. kind of like, and oh, who was it? Oh, there was this incredible one. It was all about climate change. And they only ran for like seven issues or something, but they had kind of like metallic-y covers. I can't remember what it was. Oh, the only one that comes to mind hasn't stopped, and that's it's freezing in LA, and that, that, that hasn't stopped. Um, oh, no. It was before metallic. that. I got it in a one time. It was before, before It's Freezing in LA came out? Yeah. Oh, gosh. It was a good one, though. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. Climate change is interesting. I I, I bought uh, recently. I say recently. Um, it, back in November, I bought Gaia Journal or Gaia. I don't know how you say it properly. Sorry, guys, if you're listening, ever listening. Um, they're from Portugal, based in Portugal, and they're all based around sort of that carbon footprint idea and how we can make a sort of a difference in our own community and what's going on in the recycling world, basically. And uh, it's beautifully curated. We won Where yeah. the Leaves Fall is a good one. Um, there's also some fun yeah. ones, like with the whole, like we're talking about the whole variation of print. It's like you go from serious kind of climate change, cultural publications, but then have you ever heard of Buffalo Zine? I have, I think. Um, yeah, I think I overheard it on a podcast once. Yeah. Each issue is just, each issue is totally different. And I remember like for their fourth or fifth, fifth issue, they kind of like mocked some really serious titles. Like they completely mocked like the gentlewoman design. It's not editorial wise, but like design wise, like their cover was the same, like the insides were the same. And like they just go to the full hog of like, not, yeah, just 
it's incredible and like the last <laughs> one was about me stuff, and it was just totally different to thought like you never know what you're gonna get what is that so they're still doing that now or are they are they quit they're doing it yeah they're doing it now they it's I think it's doing quite well I think people love it because they are just they fully dedicate themselves to like the whole theme they just go, go the all in thing. on that yeah it must be quite a fun thing though like as a team member on you know within there going oh yeah let's just let's just rip this off and see what fun we could do with this that'd be so interesting actually <laughs> and even as a designer in, in you know design school or you know graphic design Ripping a magazine off is essentially a really good way of learning how it's put together, isn't it? It's sort of that, that what, what you call it, sort of destructuring it. Yeah, we because I always, not always, I also lecture one day a week at Norwich University of the Arts on their design for publishing course. And that's one of my workshops is like I, we just printed out loads of um, Guardian weeklies. And I just got the students to decode like physically what the different things were and how they were styled and the differences between them. And then after they did that, we did some more like fashion and fun um, publications. But you have to, unless you sit down and think about how the page is structured, because they're designed to be so easily yeah. read, they're designed to just make it yeah. easy. So unless you sit down and properly think about it, you just won't ever realize how they're designed. Like there's so much thought goes into the page. Yeah, we just don't, we're not aware of and we just buying them off a newsstand or anything, like you said before. I, I love that side of things. I even tried to get Guardian Weekly in my local post office. We did for a while. I thought that was, you know, in the remotest, you know, area of Finland, I had the Guardian Weekly for a while. So I've got like 30 volumes, like somewhere over here. But <laughs> it's just like, it's such a nice way to catch up on news, but not be bogged down by... Not to say bogged down, I'm not saying it's a bad thing having long form, you know what I mean? Like a, a long article. But it, it was a bit like what the i magazine or i newspaper did to begin with. Just give you short snaps of content you might be interested in. You know, this is happening in, in Kabul. This is happening in Morocco. Oh, but what about carbon carbon footprint in, in Sweden or whatever? Um yeah. I love that side of things. Yeah. Okay opinion like it's not like a twitter thread where you where you scroll down and see bloody bob from wherever said this mary said this oh. like, it's your newspaper your thoughts <laughs> you just want you just want to shut off from that and i think that's what magazines that's essentially what i wanted to do with this as well i wanted to shut off from my daily job of designing for web and i think that's also a key part of this where you know like you said earlier you have to shut off and you have to be able to escape that escapism like you said and no one knows you're doing it, but there's also that, you know, continuous dopamine from your phone, you know, leave your phone in a different room. I've, I've heard all of these before, you know, it, you know, it, it's that kind of generation now. Um, but going back to that climate change thing we mentioned about finding that magazine, I can't remember what it is, but do you think they're tailoring it to the wrong audience at the moment? Do you think we should be aiming younger as so as they grow up, they'll have the values in place when they potentially start a family or or start, you know, building a life. I don't think, no, I think climate change needs to be to the older generation. I think, like, younger people are so switched on. Like, they're so politically aware, much more than I was at their age. Like, they're so... so they all yeah. know that 
the older generations have ruined the world for us like <laughs> plastic has ruined the world for us like they already know that and they're living in that and we're living in that where I feel like the older generations are maybe a bit unaware of it because they it's their, they grew up with it that's what they're comfortable with whereas like I feel like yeah. we're seeing the effects of it like we are seeing the effects of climate change and living with it but yeah firsthand there's something about seeing a bit, a bit like what I guess Anorak does and stuff like that. They they, they bring a playfulness side to some serious issues, mm. and also that's what I liked about um, Snoop, yeah, magazine as well. It was so beautiful, and and a lot a lot of that was you know derived from more serious issues. I, I loved that side of things. I don't know, maybe I I can ask a few more people around what they think about climate change message and how we can go about it as well because yeah yeah, I don't know the world's gone to shit (laughs) (laughs) that's gonna be the title of the the episode now (laughs) yes overly podcast episode one the world has gone to shit I don't know if I can swear but I did I'm sorry it's right, Justin Justin just design that design that piece but yeah, I guess I also wanted to touch upon, <laughs> I'll just put explicit on the thing now. <laughs> yeah. I'm on those podcasts already, which has explicit content. <gasps> you wouldn't swear on a podcast. You wouldn't steal a purse. Yeah. But um, do you remember that? But uh, I think I think you're going back to that issue of like waste and climate change and stuff like that. And I wanted to go into that back issue <laughs> thing yeah. because I... Yeah, because I'm a I'm a customer of a- Aiken uh, single time, obviously so far, but it was all about those back issues for me, and they arrived with no cover, and I was disappointed and confused. But that is no reflection on the business at all because it was my fault. I had no idea about the industry in terms of back issues. Yeah, so can you tell yeah. me a bit more? Yeah, I was probably in the same boat as you three or four years ago before I started to stock magazines. Um, but ever since I started to start magazines and and kind of realised the whole industry, I just couldn't run a business where there was so much waste. So our back issues are kind of a way to combat that waste. So whenever a new issue comes out or a new title comes out or a new issue comes out, um, the publisher or the distributor just asks for the front covers back because... I work on a sale or return and like normally most people work on a sale or return. If you buy the magazines, you don't have to do this. But if you work on a sale or return, they ask for the covers back just to prove that you've sold X amount or you haven't sold X amount. But then you're left with yeah. magazines and you're left with full publications, like the good meaty stuff. The reason why you buy the magazine, you're still left with. So we do issues, we sell them off super cheap. They're £2.50. Um, I'm doing like a little selling spiel. spiel. Buy them here. Do it. They're too bad. Do it, do it. Um, and yeah, it, I've had feedback. People love it. Like students love it because it's a way they can buy magazines cheaply and it's a way they can buy it and it doesn't break the bank. I've had artists buy them because they buy them for collages and zines and stuff like that. And I've just had people who buy them who want to try a new publication but don't want to spend £10 yeah. because they might not like it. On our website, it does say that you can't judge a, mag- a book by its cover because these don't have them (laughs) but yeah it's just a way to reduce waste and also with our packaging um some magazines I shred up and I use them as like our packaging to kind of use it so I do try and use as much of the magazine paper waste in a useful way as possible 
um, just because I, I couldn't consciously, yeah. I couldn't run a business knowing that I'm throwing away loads of magazines. Like, how could you? I just couldn't morally do it. So, hurting my soul just hearing about this, and I don't know what other other magazine businesses do. I need to investigate, but I, I'm saddened about this because. Yeah, like you said, there is that valuable content. And it also goes back to that, you know, the Harry Styles issue, I'm going to call it now, um, of, you know, buying a magazine for the cover. But I obviously I know Dazed, for example, is extremely good content as well. But um, it is that thing where you do judge a book by its cover or a magazine by its cover because you want it to be interesting to you. You want it to, t- you want it to resonate with you. Uh, I guess... With independence, you, you don't necessarily have, you know, on the front cover, the face value of all the content that's going to be in there. It's not like Cosmopolitan yeah. that goes like, you know, five beauty tips, you know, 10 yeah. tips to go look look great on a night out. No, on, on Dog Magazine, you just have a dog. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's freezing in LA, you've got, you know, an abstract pattern and, and the title. It, it, it's It's about what you make of it. I think they still have their back covers. Still got their back covers. <laughs> this is so true, so true. Uh, and you also made a Christmas, a Christmas, Christmas uh, garland as well, didn't you? I did recently. I just, yeah. I don't know whether it's me. <laughs> I just, I just am um, trying to be as like sustainable as possible. But I also think it's fun of ways you can reuse magazines. Some magazines are their monthly. Yeah. They do have a shelf life, and they do have a kind of period that they're relevant for and it's like if you do have a magazine and it does only last a month a couple months then it's like how can you make that last longer so I did just make a fun reel on how to do like paper garments and stuff because there's so many fun patterns in there I use lunch lading I noticed I noticed very nice yeah because you know lunch lady and I think flow are sort of the, the best for sort of pattern work and they're so big so full of life I love it. Yeah. And wrap is really good. Where you get wrapping paper, you get like, I think it is wrapping paper. You get wrapping paper from illustrators in it, but they haven't brought out a new issue for a couple of years. So yeah. Yeah. I forgot about them because of that, I think. But maybe, maybe they're preparing a new one. Who knows? Like you, are you preparing a new one yet? I'm not. So I think the kid's going to be annual. Um, so the next one will probably be October next year, but I do, this is kind of like hyper-localised, but we do run, or I run um, a newspaper called Noza News, and it's all about like independent brands, makers, events going on in Norwich. So it started oh. off as like a newspaper, but then with the last issue, I printed like a physical newspaper with it. So I'm hoping that will be like a more relevant kind of like monthly, quarterly little publication um and then a kin is like our kind of annual kind of beautiful looking coffee table kind of s publication yeah you sort of brought that in together as uh did you have it like in the middle sort of included yeah so i did like a little spread about it and then um it featured like before our main sponsors for the issue because our main sponsors were a local restaurant a french restaurant the hexagon um so it kind of sat alongside that just to showcase that independent brands are much more bigger than kind of like the towns they're in and they can serve loads of people so yeah I'm quite passionate about working locally <laughs> well that's the thing yeah you, you are you are working with the local community there because you had like a was it a subscription kind of thing you released as well 
Yeah, so I announced it's kind of, I called it the neighborhood. Um, and it, yeah. it was going to be like an annual subscription, but I think I might switch that over to Northern News because Northern News is happening more, more times a year. Um, and I don't know whether I want a subscription for like an annual publication. I feel like, I don't know, they're £12.50. I mean, that's like £1 a month. <laughs> it's not really. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. I called our neighbourhood um, and we send like a monthly newsletter with um, discounts and behind the scenes. And I also talk about kind of like me and like my design work and what I do and my thoughts on like the magazine industry and stuff. So it's kind of relying less on Instagram and relying less on social media and just building up like a consumer base and a, and a community. Yeah, I think is that sort of the the end goal for you? Is there an end goal, is, or is there like a a five year goal for you about that? Oh God, I've been thinking about this because December's kind of like obviously New Year, new me situation. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, that thing. Um, yeah, and I think I think akin in the future, I want akin to just be like my creative outlet. So if we publish books, it goes there. If we do prints our magazine will be like our kind of annual summing up the year what we found who we liked kind of situations like that but I think a kid in the grand scheme of things would become like a publishers of press or something like that and just kind of not just a magazine more kind of publishing and stuff like that but I'm yet to decide really I haven't decided okay yeah I, I guess it does take a while to decide and it's an important decision yeah because it's it's like my side project and it's like there was a time a couple months back or a year back where I wasn't enjoying it and like this is the beauty of a side project where you can change it so you do enjoy it and you can that's why I changed the issue because I was like I wasn't finding the previous issues like fulfilling it wasn't pushing me and stuff and it's all on me to decide the kind of feature of it so I normally take a month off each year to kind of sit back out of the business I was talking about this the other day with someone because you're working within your business so much on the day-to-day running of it that you kind of forget like yeah. the long-term so I normally take a month or so luxuriously to work <laughs> out kind of the future of the kin and and like quarterly what I want to achieve and like the goals and set and stuff like that so I'm in that at the moment so maybe once the podcast has come out I'll have a view <laughs> It's fine. Yeah, we'll definitely come back to you and uh, we'll have another discussion at some point, definitely. I hope. <laughs> if you'd be up for it, that is. Always happy to talk. Awesome, awesome. And I, I guess, where can people find you uh, in terms of tags and stuff like that? So people can find Akin, um, Instagram's Akin Magazine and website is www.akinmagazine and then if they want to find me for any reason um, it's just my full name which is Anastasi Pomfret on everywhere. <laughs> and that's your like design account? That is, is my design account yeah I don't have a personal account I yeah <laughs> it's a heavily curated Instagram page and my life isn't as beautiful but it's some beautiful snippets from it so <laughs> well it's nice to nice to have talked about all this and thank you for joining me right thanks for having me who have you got lined up oh um i guess at the moment i'm still waiting on a couple of responses from obviously delicate rebellion 
I don't know how you would say it. There is even an accent in there. I should know how to say that. But uh, yeah, so H- Hannah from there has agreed to be on it, which is lovely. Um, and also, I'm contact. I've contacted um, Bum Editions, B U M. They're like a the Risograph sort of publication, like Zine, just a sta- staple bound, beautiful sort of volume on design architecture. Um, even just walking around the streets of Helsinki is like the first issue or issue issue zero. And I was just really intrigued because you know a lot of a lot of risograph is seeping in, you know, to the industry, like with counter counterpoint, is it? And uh I haven't seen an issue of them for a while, but I know they just brought out a new one. Yeah. Um yeah, and there's there's something about risograph uh that's so tactile and it tells a different story, I think. Have you heard of the magazine Chutney? No. Chutney no. Rizo magazine. Um, and I saw him talk at Mag Culture's latest annual event. Um, and it's a publication, it's like a cultural publication. It's got food and like heritage, Indian heritage and stuff like that within it. But it's very lovely, very lovely. But that's Rise. I'll definitely check that out. Yeah, I'm always interested in that kind of thing. Because I've, I've also, like, um, well, obviously used it in university. I did a lot of book binding, um, a lot of, you know, making your own books, basically. And I, and I printed a poster. I, I, wanted to, I wanted to sell a poster for charity um, back in, oh, about four years ago. Yeah, four years ago. Uh, designed, like, a typographic poster for a gig I went to. But, um, yeah, I just broke even on that. Couldn't even give anything away. Shocking. But yeah, hopefully I'll go back to Risograph because it's uh, it's just I love it. Yeah, we love it. Our newspapers printed on Riso, and then all of our like thank you notes are Riso printed because I found this guy called Rich. He like sponsored the newspaper as well, and he's yeah. good. One of the good print guys. He's incredible. Like doesn't take the piss, quotes you exactly, but then also tells you that if you if you want fifty more, it's only like three pounds more. So you might as well just go. For fifty more <laughs> copies, he's a good guy. A good oh. Where's he? Where's he based? He's based in Norwich. Ideal. Yeah. Ideal. Yeah. I mean, right on your doorstep, kind of. <laughs> you know, it's a big place. <laughs> but yeah, I, I guess if were you, you know, were you to take Aiken forward, and would you have an event around it as well? Like you know how Mag Culture have their the sort of conferences and stuff like that. Would you ever have that? We used to have events monthly and quarterly and they were mainly about um, like how to help creative freelancers. So we did one about like tax returns, one about like turning your side hustle into your main kind of career. Um, obviously because of the pandemic, we haven't been able to do that for a couple of years. And our launch parties, we haven't had a launch party for two issues, yeah. which is like black for me because it's the only excuse you can have to get drunk for free or on my... <laughs> um so yeah like I would like to get back in the community and do kind of um events but I I was thinking about doing a kind of publishing press market slash like I don't know like for small small press and small publishing because there's such a scene here in Norwich and it's more kind of like DIY zine cultural music publications and stuff and and I'd like to get us all together and, and sell some things that'd be really cool I think if you ever do that, do, do let me know and I'll I'll put the word out as well, wh- wherever possible. 
No worries. I'd love to know more about also other publications in Norwich. So feel feel free to pop me like a message whenever you like and love to go like find out what's there. Yeah. You might like just off the bat, you might like this magazine called No Blum. It's like a music publication, but it's quite heavily like illustrated. Um, yeah. And that's cool. Yeah, I'll definitely check it out. Yeah. Because it'll be cool to even put a spotlight on on little places like Norwich and you know Bristol and Bath and all these places, Cornwall. All these places have got these wonderful publications coming out and I, I just can't wait to get started, really. <laughs> can't wait to get them from bloody customs, can you? <laughs> <laughs> customs. Oh, my gosh. You mean the post? Yeah. I mean the post. Oh, my God. Give up. I give up. I, I think there's another stack magazine on the way, by the way, and I, I just haven't got the last four. So uh, I don't know what's going on. And say for Korea... And nothing, nothing against them. It's due to the post, but I just really don't know what to do now. Magazine subscriptions are just stopped. It's mental. So I just, yeah, hope it picks up again soon because I want to keep ordering from the UK. I want to keep keep doing that, and at the moment, I just have no trust in it. Set up your own mag shop in Finland. You know what? It would be a dream. I wouldn't even know where to start. I need to to bend your ear about that. I have no idea where to start. But it it is obviously a dream. I thank you very much for your time. And I hope you have a great rest of your month off. Thank you very much. Hopefully, I mean, you've got a lot of cutting to do, but... (laughs) In January of this year, Alice posted on Instagram that she's launching a brand new shop the first ever shop for Akin magazine. Opening mid to late March this year, Akin will be situated in Atwin store on the first floor. So if you're in town, i.e. Norfolk, go check it out. There will also be a host of workshops. Uh, I believe there's already two set up, so be sure to check out their website at akinmagazine.com. That's A-K-I-N-M-A-G-A-Z-I-N-E.com. I wish her the best of luck for the future and thank you so much Alice for having a chat with me and for being our first ever guest on the Overleaf podcast. On our next episode, we'll meet Erin Pellivan, the editor of Return Trip magazine. Founded in Toronto, Return Trip looks to capture how travel makes us feel. We'll discuss issue 2 which finds us on the streets of Hungary to public transportation in Guyana. We'll also chat about the importance of non-digital living as well as what the future may hold for Return Trip. I can't wait for the chat, and I hope you tune in next time. Thank you so much for listening. I can't wait for you to hear it, so make sure to subscribe. Hit that subscribe button on wherever you listen to the podcast, and let me know your feedback. You can find me at On The Overleaf. So that's on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, On The Overleaf. I'd love to hear your thoughts. A big thank you to the creator of the music for the show, Valtteri Keskitalo.